Welcome to Tech Matters, sharing our vast business and development experience with developers like you. Here are your hosts, Stephen Feather and Patrick Shetta. Like us, you've probably heard a lot about company culture. And you've probably been thinking, what the heck is that? The big question, what is it? And it is a big question. <clears throat> it's quite a nebulous question. Um, you know, I was thinking in preparing for our discussion today, um, if I could get some opinion from some other folks. And I actually asked someone who works for a large company. And I said, what is your company culture? And they said, well, easy. Um, I have some people who are from Canada, one person from Mexico, and uh, someone from France. And I said, well, I don't know if that's culture and that kind of their ge- you know, geographic location. And they said, uh, that's a good point. Um, maybe I can do better. So uh, I have um, you know, a guy who's Taiwanese, a guy who's African-American, and then a, a guy who's Mexican. I said, yeah, but that's typically what people might call race. So uh, I wouldn't consider that the culture. So maybe we could try again. And, and this person said, oh, I, I know what you mean. Uh, so I have, I have um, a Buddhist and a Christian and a Muslim. And I said, well, that's kind of religion, so we're, we're kind of circling around it, but what is the culture of your company? And I finally got this person to say, I'm not really sure what that means, <laughs> So, which totally proved my point and, and the, the uncertainty in my mind. I'm not necessarily sure what culture means. So in, in modern times, we set up a company, we have a game room. Um, I know what our company culture is. It's foosball tables, free lunches. I don't know. That seems to be an answer. I see that all the time. Um, Maybe job listings or someone uh, sends me something and says, our culture is foosball tables, free laundry. Um, You know, we have a barbershop, so you can do all those things. But but I tend to think of those personally as the word perks. Um, And I definitely would not say that we have a culture of foosball table. To me, that kind of is a mismatch like religion or something. Um, I I tend to think of these as more... um, that they represent what engages a, in a person to, to love the culture, but, you know, they're just perks. So know. perks and hooks to get an employee to enjoy more of their time on company property. I, I would agree with that. Okay. Um, so we've adapted business structure and life around the extra non-working free time seems to be the case. Would you agree that that seems to be the direction that that argument would take or that approach takes? Absolutely. Okay. Um, What happens though, when that becomes the norm or the expectation you have employees who expect, I have 10 minutes of free foosball time every hour out of my eight hour day. Uh, Now we're paying them six and a half hours of productive work and an hour and a half of, foosball time they get bored with that they do <laughs> so now we've got to up the game a little bit uh better foosball tables digital foosball tables digital scorekeeping maybe a giant board on the screen so that we know how well johnny did versus billy in the foosball free time okay and i like the word that you use it, it, they adapt to it and it you know becomes boring because now it's part of their their the, the thing that was 
enticing them is now normal. It's not exciting anymore. And then they need the new next exciting thing. I wonder what that looks like when they go to the next job after that. And, oh, well, you don't have a foosball table. I don't know if I want to work here because we had foosball tables. Right. Or you want me to come work for you? How many foosball tables do you have? Okay. Um, And and it kind of reiterates kind of what I said at at the start there, that they, they are just perks. They're not the culture. They don't define the culture. Just a... A hook. Yeah. Okay. Um, seems kind of manipulative. Trying to motivate people through gifting. It is. Um, and and I have in the past uh, done talks on motivation as far as uh, gamification, how they related. Um, and there are known motivation manipulation techniques. And there's one that's constructive where you can take someone who does is not intrinsically motivated to do something and you you know maybe like running and you can offer them extrinsic motivation so rewards so that you say if you run i'm going to pay you or something or give you points or whatever and you can actually generate you can create within them intrinsic motivation to want to do this on their own however there's there's a a negative uh, manipulation a destructive technique where you can take someone who is intrinsically motivated and you can offer them the rewards and you can actually demotivate them. So, for example, let's say you had someone who loves to, to program software. You're either really good at it, they love it. When they leave their job, they can't wait to get home and work on their personal stuff. Um, but let's say the work, uh, th- their work environment is now under some type of pressure or some, some reason that they, have to, they feel like they have to motivate people by maybe paying bonuses. So maybe number of commits or number of sprints that you've met or some, some metric, we're going to give you bonuses. So now there's this um, extrinsic motivation put on top of the natural intrinsic motivation, and what happens is they would become unmotivated. And in fact, it's such a known technique, it is called the over-justification effect. So you have to be careful of that one. Wow. Wow. And programmer, programmers are unique beasts anyway, and it's very tough to figure out what motivates us. And to demotivate somebody who loves to code, is a that's a terrible thing. That is a travesty. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when we're looking at a company, let's say we're looking from the outside, um, what are some things that we can look at, I guess, that we can sit and – so we know it's not the perks. It's not the foosball tables. Um, If we were studying a culture, a people, um, we would probably look from the outside. Anthropologically, we'd look and we'd say, does this group of people – sets them apart from another group of people? Do they have symbols, um, words that only they understand? Uh, we, we, we see that sometimes. We see companies that have their own language. Uh, sometimes it just seems to be the marketing guys have come up with it. So uh, one of the new ones we hear a lot about is digital transformation. Our company is all about digital transformation. Well, what does that mean? And you and I have both have learned that that means different things for very different things for different companies. Um, so there's a word symbols, uh, heroes. Let's maybe there's a hero in a particular people and they identify by a hero. Uh, if you were looking at Tesla or SpaceX, uh, Elon Musk would be definitely a hero figure that kind of binds them together. 
uh, separate from anything else, uh, symbols, talks, anything else that they may have. He seems to be the, the, uh, a central figure in that culture, if we would. Um, and then rituals. Now, it's kind of weird to talk about rituals in a modern sense, but we have them. Uh, Google has a ritual. Every Friday, you go work on your own stuff for 20% of your time. Good or bad, that's a ritual that Googlers, see, they even have their own term and their own name. Googlers do this 20% thing. So this is a ritual in a modern time that folks at Google participate in. And so from an anthropological point of view, those are some things that we can see. So what are some other things that we see from a modern, that kind of fall into those criteria that would set companies apart? Yeah, I like those. Um, I think more modern ones would be maybe like dress code. I'm an IBMer, suit and tie, <laughs> white shirt, jacket, always have my jacket with me, my briefcase, absolutely. Yes, uh, versus the way I like to work, which would be more sandals and shorts. <laughs> um, maybe um, how, how your office is set up. Okay. Uh, open floor plan, uh, maybe intentionally, uh, uh, you know, barriered off or not barriered off, depending, uh, you know, that would definitely be... Uh, uh, an observable uh, reflection of culture, I think. that That's a big one. It used to be that the way the office was set up was so that the manager could watch you banking, where my grandfather grew up. Uh, that was his thing. He was a bank vice president in charge of auditing. And the banks were set up where everybody was on the floor, and then the manager would either have an office at the end or maybe even a layer up. So you'd have two stories, one of them empty except for the management, so they could look out over top of bankers and auditors and I guess to see if they're all working (laughs) or not. Um, We're seeing a change in law firms in the Atlanta area. There was a discussion in uh, architecture and design in that in the old days you had a central library in an off in a law firm and you would have small clerk offices off of that but the partners would all be around the edges well they're moving to more open office space the idea of the dark dank central library has kind of disappeared because everything is digital and so because of the way we have new millennials we'll get into a separate discussion about millennials some other day but because of the way they things that they expect in the way that data is consumed within the organization there has been this huge upheaval in the way that law firm office spaces are set up the old way is not the way that it is now so there is a I guess if we use that, a culture change within law firms mm-hmm. as well. So open offices, corner offices. Um, yeah, um, the way um, clients are treated, the way employees are treated, um, those would definitely be ob- observable things reflecting the culture. <laughs> um, maybe an airline is very keen. Their culture is follow the rules and the guidelines, and the employees adhere to that, and they don't have any leeway. And so the way they interact with the public would be considerably different than if you had a a younger, not necessarily younger, but a different company culture of an airline that allowed employees to make decisions and work to benefit the client and the company, but to work on behalf of the client to make them happy. Those are two different types of cultures that we would see. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and we do see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the way they work, you, you mentioned coworkers. How do you, how does the company treat coworkers? Is there an inviting environment or is it come to work, be gone at five? Uh, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we've, we've talked about some good things. We've talked about some bad things, some things that we think you would be able to identify from the outside. Um, still haven't quite gotten to what culture is yet. How about a, maybe what is good culture? Um, and that's a relative term, I right. guess we could say too. Without still with kind of dance skirting around the uh-huh. definition still, um, I think that you can definitely recognize some characteristics of good culture. And uh, I think vision, or, you know, maybe in the physical form of a mission statement, but vision for, you know, it provides a, a, a purpose, you know, and defines, you know, the vision and the purpose for the company so that the people who are in this culture have, you know, have some direction, um, maybe uh, values. That's that's <laughs> a big one. That's a top-down um, characteristic. Perhaps one of the most important ones. Um, so, so value, you know, it's core to the culture. Um, it, the guidelines for the behavior that people will exhibit, uh, you know, the mindset of, of coming to work, if your uh, superiors or owners or whoever you're working with have value, good values that you respect, it's going to affect your mindset in a positive way. Hopefully. <laughs> um, <clears throat> maybe the, the practices uh, of the company. This is a good one. I like this. Go ahead. Um, so, you know, do you practice what you preach? Uh, do you treat your employees like you, you are preaching? So, if your company, you know, says our, you know, our culture is we treat everyone fantastically and, and, you know, customers number one and employees are great. Is that actually happening on the inside? And um, the answer should be yes, or else you shouldn't be saying it and it shouldn't. Yeah. Be. <laughs> is PR and HR lining up with, is it the same message and can you back up the message? I, I like that. Yeah. I like that because one of the things that catches companies right now is PR goes out that says we do this and publicly you look and say that is absolutely not what you're doing. You do not treat your employees well. You do not treat your customers well. Your products are terrible. Um, you're buying into the PR. Yes. Yeah. Um, narrative. And and this is an important one. Mm, yes. This actually kind of ties back to what I mentioned earlier. If you were looking at a culture, narrative is when you're studying a people group from a scientific point of view, narrative is that oral tradition that is passed down from generation to generation to generation. And within a company, is the are the values being passed down through employees, not just in writing, but is it an oral tradition that goes through? And as a new employee, you come in and you're placed with a senior who teaches you what the company's traditions are, what their cultures are. And I think that narrative internally is probably one of the biggest characteristics or identifiers that I would look for if I were looking at a company. Is it just a piece of paper that HR handed you the first day you were hired and you hope you remember all of it? Or is it something that is actually practiced inside, practice what you preach, but by everyone? And every time you bump into somebody, they exude whatever that value or the narrative, yeah. I guess. And, and I love that, the way you described that. And, and it just popped in my head. I, I, I couldn't think of an example, but as you went on, the, the Disney popped in. 
So there's an excellent history of Walt. Walt did this. Walt believed this. You should feel this way when you're standing at this part of the park. And, there, you know, maybe it's just better well documented than other companies, but, um, you know, the animator, you see those old time animators as they're flipping through their things to show you and what are they all like they're happy they loved it why because it was part of the culture you know they lived it and now these guys are the ones who are are telling the stories and and you know narrating the history forward so i i think that might be a good example of exactly what you're saying also an example of a change in culture um about the time that eisner took over and Disney became a little bit more focused. I, I won't say that it focused more on profit, but the way that the Disney did business changed about that time frame. And you saw more acquisitions and you saw changes in the way drawings were done. The narratives and the stories were different. Um, there was an article recently about Pixar and Pixar had a certain way of doing their storylines and what their goal was. They get purchased by Disney and now the culture of Disney infected Pixar and Pixar isn't putting out the same and argumentatively quality. And I'm, and I'm a big Pixar fan and I really do love animation, both uh, computer generated and classic. So the Disney story hits with me. Um, you see a change of culture within Pixar based upon the acquisition by Disney and good or bad. I, I think that um, you see a change because of the influence of the bigger party. So narrative, Great very, example. very big um, place. Right. Talk so a little about that. So characteristics of a good culture, uh, you could argue that if you walk into one of the large companies that's out there now, like Facebook or something, they, they were one of the primary pushers of the open office space. Um, and it was forced into our brains that that was good culture because it improved, you know, interaction. And I personally didn't think that it was so great. Even the day that the company I worked for did it, I had problems with it, but it was, it was strongly seen as this is a good culture, this open office space. Now, maybe history will show that it was a terrible idea. And I think we're starting to see studies like that, but but if you see it, whether you agree with it or not, they're actively trying to get a good culture. And it reflects itself when you walk in and see this open office space. It wasn't by accident. It came from the top down and some smart guys thinking, how do we do this and how do we get people engaged? And this is one of the techniques and you can see it. It's a characteristic that you can see. Because everybody's accessible. And, and I, I do understand the reasoning behind it. And I'm with you. I still like to be able to close the door and work. Uh, I, that may not be a physical door. That may be a set of headphones that are noise reducing. That may be disappearing into the woods for a couple of weeks, but I need time to think on my own. And that's very much a personality thing. I think it also depends on the product that you're selling. So if you have a product that is created by introverts that are very much inside of their own head, an open office space probably isn't going to work very well. If, however, you are looking at sales or marketing where there's a lot of extrovert bouncing ideas off each other, that's probably great. And so I think maybe even within companies, and this probably be an episode of its own, um, maybe looking at certain departments are different styles. So you could have subcultures 
which are possible anthropologically. Uh, sub, I just like saying that word because I can. Um, so good at it, too. <laughs> all those years of college finally have a chance to use that word in real time. Um, but you could have subcultures within your primary culture. And we haven't even – our notes don't have subculture listed at all. All right. Um, bad culture. So we've talked about some good characteristics, but still only characteristics. Yes. How about bad? So I think bad culture is um, easy to spot. <laughs> Definitely easy to spot from within, but I think it also leaks out and, and people outside a company can spot it as well. And I think if I had to describe it in one word, it would be tox- toxic. Um, this is a toxic place. And I've worked at places where I say, this is toxic and, <clears throat> and I'm not sure that I want to work here. Um, I think it's very common as well. Um, I'm not saying every company has it, but I, th- I think it's common. I think it's out there. I think that uh, either people, uh, by virtue of growing too fast or just by not caring, don't make any uh, conscious efforts to establish culture. You get this. You, you get uh, uh, people climbing the ladder. I see this a lot in the financial industry and in the big banks and stuff. People are climbing the ladder and clawing their way. It's like one of those zombie piles. Everyone's trying to get to the top. The thing that suffers is the culture. Um, so because it's nothing about the company, it's very individualistic. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, and it doesn't necessarily kill a business straight out. I, I would agree with that. Um, you, I, I think it might put some handcuffs on it so that they're wounded. They're wounded, can still, you know, grow and and be a productive member of society, but maybe not as much as they could have been. Okay. Um, even um, I, th- I think that though that that a counter argument to that, which might be rare, more rare, is that if you have uh, a company that is an extremely high demand provider of a service or a product that everybody wants it and you're the only one or very few who is doing it, your culture doesn't matter as far as whether your company is going to succeed or not because there's so much demand. I don't care if my employees are happy. Get to work and make this thing, and we will be successful regardless of happy employees or not. If you're not happy, you're out. I bring someone else in as opposed to someone who uh, the happiness of their employees could affect their bottom line. So that might be an exception to that. Examples would be monopolies in a marketplace where you're the sole provider, um, company towns when you're talking the old steel mill, old coal mine communities where there was only one way here, our way or, you know, the company way or you're out. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, along those, uh, our way or the highway, fitting in seems to be a characteristic or one of those things that we can look at and say, how does that fit with culture, fitting in, fit it? Right. And um, I think it's extremely important. Um, I think some of the things that we said early on, it's just, you know, uh, are are your people happy? So, you know, fitting in is important. Um, some some side effects of being a good fit, like this is the company that I should be working at. You're, you know, you'll enjoy your time at work. It's not going to be a pain like, oh, my God, I can't wait till lunch. I can't wait till the end of the day. You enjoy it. You enjoy what you're doing. Um, you're definitely going to develop better relationships with your coworkers as opposed to, I can't stand these people, you know? So if you fit in the culture, that means you're like the culture and, and you know, these people are like me and I'm like them. So um, your employees, 
you have good retention. People aren't going to want to leave. Uh, people will be more productive. Again, with um, you know, you're enjoying your time at work. You're more productive. You're not necessarily watching the clock to get out of here. Um, and I think in general, it just becomes a more positive experience. People are happier, uh, uh, and that's a good thing. <laughs> and the inverse of that is, I'm unhappy at work. It's five o'clock. I don't care if a customer's standing here missed a flight or doesn't have a hotel room or whatever. I'm out of here. Uh, right. And I'm only going to give you as much as you can watch me work during the day. I'm not going to give you any extra. I'm not going to think about company outside of the office. All of those, the inverses would be all the negatives. Yeah. And, you know, good fit doesn't necessarily mean that you work at a good culture. I'm a good person and I work at a good culture and we fit together. Good fit means that you fit what the culture is doing. So an example of a bad fit would be someone, a negative person, just wanting to punch the clock, get out of here, working in a very positive uh, producing company. That's a bad fit. But you can also have the opposite. And I've worked in companies like this where it's very negative, very heads down, don't walk around and talk to people. And if you come in and you're the ray of sunshine, that's a bad fit. And you're going to get mocked. <laughs> you you probably are not going to want to work there very long. And it's going to bring your mood down. That That's another bad fit, too. I've seen that. Have been there. <laughs> have been there. Um, all right. So we have some ideas. Still haven't hit it, though. Still haven't defined what we think culture is, but let's talk about creating or growing it. Sounds like we're growing bugs or something in a culture versus culture, but it, like it's, it is kind of the same thing. Yeah. I think that you have to um, have a leadership mentality, even if you are not a leader in the company and you have to be able to recognize uh, things that are working um, and, continue to do them. So this is working, continue to do it, not necessarily be so uh, quick to change for change sake. Um, a, a company's core rules has to, has to be established or, or uh, mantra, you know, like innovation is priority. We're a company that will innovate and will constantly be on the leading edge. Maybe Apple would be that way. Um, versus Customer happiness, and maybe Zappos might be the customer happiness is, you know, is their core rule, and Apple is will innovate. So um, definitely, you know, you have to create and grow your culture with those things. Um, leading by example, like I said, you know, recognizing things that work, keep doing them. Lead by example, be the, the person that does the things that work, and, and, you know, don't, you know, preach Hey, everybody's happy, and then you know I gotta run out for a minute. I'll see you guys later. You do you do all the work. Um, I think something that's very prominent uh, in the news lately, and in chat groups, and and even conferences, is embracing diversity. I think that I personally, it's never been a huge issue for me to have to embrace diversity, but I think that in in our field of technology, it is an issue. Agreed. Um, so so I. I I think we it, it has to be discussed, not by us right now, but it has to be discussed, and and it is part of the culture. And and if you are in a culture that that's not a huge part of it, then you need to address it in a way. I don't necessarily have the answer for it, but it has to be addressed. And actually, on our 
list of things that we would like to talk about. Diversity is one of those and how that affects everybody involved. And we're lining up some guests to head down that line uh, because obviously we don't have all the answers. We have a bias towards a certain point of view. Um, Establishing core rules. This sounds very hard-nosed, but if we're going to create culture, we need guidelines. And if our guidelines is, let's say, we take customer privacy seriously, we can't just say that. We can. I mean, we could. But if customer privacy is our number one concern at company ABC, then at company ABC, we have guidelines and controls in place to make sure that we enforce that value through rules. Um, I think that's, that's a big one that gets missed. You can't just say we're going to do something and then not actually do it or punish. And, and, you know, you have punitive damage, you know, punitive responsive if somebody breaks the values of the culture. That's the, nobody wants to talk about that side, but um, Zappos, for example, we mentioned them earlier. Zappos believes that it is so important that their people fit that if during training you don't feel like you're going to be a good fit for Zappos, they will pay you like two grand to leave the company during the training process. That's a, hey, thanks for coming in. We're not just kicking you out. We're giving you the opportunity to self-evaluate and say, I don't fit here. That's huge because that's money out of pocket to sit and say, our training time, we believe there's value in the person who put themselves out there to see if they fit. But at the same time, we know what our guidelines are. And to back that up, this is what we're willing to do. So, you know, props to them. I'm not saying we're going to adopt that. So none of our folks think that. But, you know, that's something to think about. And maybe, and I love that, that they do that. And I'm glad you brought it up. I think that maybe a more generic way to address that is that you just have to hire more carefully. Um, you know, some people might argue that personalities are as or more important than someone's immediate skill set. If you're hiring someone to, to be a JavaScript developer, and maybe they're not quite a senior yet, but they're the guy that goes home and practices every night, and you pick that up in their personality, you might want to hire that guy than the super senior developer who just gripes and and sometimes takes a shower and sometimes shows up on time, who's just going to give you troubles. So that's something that you would have to weigh and, and would just fall into the general higher, you know, more carefully. Sure. Sure. HR is changing. Um, so culture over time, we start our, our, our startups begins and we believe that this is what culture is, but we've seen in society that cultures adjust over time. What are some of the things that we might be talking about inside of a company culture? Right. So I've seen this where you have a startup that maybe two guys, so you and I start a company. Sure. And we define the culture. We say it is the mean of our values or something like that. Um, and I think that that is the fallacy is that down the road, well, we, you know, I'm being hired in this company, and I know what the culture is. It's the mean of these two guys, even though there's 50 people in the com- in the company. And the fact is that every time you hire someone, it slightly changes it. Um, I like to think of the the example of uh, drops of paint. So if you had two different, uh, you know, tints of paint, and, and you mix them together, they, they change. They become some type of mean between it. And now you hire a new person in who's a, a different tint than that, it affects it. Now, I think that 
if you're, if as the founders of a company, you, you have a, a general vision of how things should be, you're, you're going to tend to want to uh, maintain something along uh, a linear uh, tinting between, you know, somewhere along there, as opposed to hiring, uh, you know, some color that's going to totally throw it off. So if, if you are, uh, you know, pumpkin orange is, is your tint for your culture, and you put a drop of dark blue in there, really throws it off. But if you have pumpkin orange and you drop, you know, light orange in there, well, it's going to blend and it's going to be a similar culture and, and maybe not noticeable, but you drop the dark blue in there, it's going to be noticeable. So um, it does change every time you add a drop of paint and every time you add an employee. I like the idea of talking about paint because I think it is a very visual way of seeing what a company looks like. You can visualize that. I like that. I like that. So have we come up with a definition yet? I think we've been circling in it. Okay. And, and, and I think we have all the pieces. So what do you want? What, what, do you want to see if we can come up with one? So we talk about behaviors and we talk about personalities. So, I think that the very first thing we should say for a definition is that the personality of a company and the collective behavior of everyone contributing is probably the first thing that should be said about culture. Personality of a company, the collective behavior of everyone contributing. I like that. I like that. Um, but of course, that's not it. All right. So that, that's our big title. What's our subtitle? Um, you you have to include things like um, probably the number one is values. Values, okay. Um, feel free to interject if I'm no, forgetting any. We're good. Like uh, ethics, values, ethics, um, expectations for you know as an employee what your expectations are. Maybe as a customer looking in uh, the mission, where we're headed. It, what where are we headed? Are we you know are we innovating? Are we trying to only look to get bought in six months, whatever, whatever your mission is, definitely affects the culture, uh, the work environment. Um, so we had talked about perks before, and I think if we weren't clear, the perks are just a side effect of the culture, of the work environment. Um, future goals. Uh, maybe that's along the lines of uh, mission. But the future goals of the company and how you plan to... Uh, keep people engaged and make them feel intrinsically motivated and feel part of the family, you know, through the future. I like that. I like that. The personality of the company, the collective behavior of the contributors. This is powerful. I like that. And I think that's where we're going to end today. It may not be the absolute answer to what company culture is, but Hopefully, we've broken it down for you a little bit. It's at least widened our view of how we were going to define it and how we would interpret company culture if we heard it in conversation. We changed the questions that we would ask somebody when they were bragging about their company culture to see if they actually understood what they're talking about. So on that note, have a good afternoon. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for joining and feel free to offer comments. Absolutely. We would love some comments on this subject. Thanks.